living the word today. So, every time we open this book, it is a fresh opportunity for God to talk to us. Let's make sure, let's make very sure that we are listening to what he wants to say to us. Livingthewordtoday.com. Look, the message of the Bible does indeed prepare us for eternity, but it also prepares us for the day we are currently living. Welcome to Living the Word Today. We invite you to spend the next few minutes studying God's Word with your Bible teacher, Jesse Wagoner. Pastor Wagoner's desire for you is not only to understand God's truth, but to help you live it today. More resources can be found on our website, livingthewordtoday.com. Now it is time to open your heart and your Bible for your time in the Word. A few years ago, a fellow that I knew quite well was starting a business here in the Canal Valley. And, uh, I've, and I tried to encourage him, and he, he worked hard at it. He'd gotten, the, uh, gotten everything together to start this business. And I noticed, started noticing his business showing up with some, like a full-page ad in the newspaper and a lot of advertising. And also I knew enough to know that that's quite expensive. You know, he was spending a lot of dollars for advertising. So I was in his place of business one time, and I just said, Hey, let me just ask you a question. I, 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 it's done very well. I, I caught my attention. And, of course, I know you, but it caught my attention. And I said, You're, you seem to be investing a lot of money in advertising. I said, uh, how is that going? What, what's, the, what's the thing? He said, three letters, ROI. If you're a business person, you probably know those three letters. Return on investment. He says, I put $4,000 a month into advertising, and I've been measuring it. I get back sometimes an additional four dollars to $5,000 a month in additional revenue coming in. And he says, you know, maybe I just have a little bit of return on investment, but as long as my investment pays me enough to cover those costs and builds my business, he says, it is money well spent. And you talk to any business person you know, you probably can, you're probably familiar with that phrase, ROI. So let's talk about spiritually, and we don't measure things in dollars and cents. We measure things in a little more, uh, uh, sometimes a little more difficult to measure way. But I want to suggest to you that there is a return on investment when we invest spiritually. Now we're in Psalm 127. It's going to be important that you have the text in front of you if at all possible. If you have a Bible with you, that's fine. If you want to bring that up on your smartphone, if you got that with you, uh, we use, uh, I use a lot of times BibleGateway.com, great way to get the, get the text description in front of you. That would be very helpful because I'm going to point out some of the words and the relationships as you see them on the text in front of you. And I want to just be very simple this morning and just kind of impress upon all of us that what we invest in the generation that comes after us, whether that investment is from a parent to a child or to your extended family or for those who are professionally in, in the teaching or some other sort of uh, a career that directly impacts children, or more importantly for us, we as a church. We as a church, how we can invest in the future. Psalm 127, it's uh, just five verses long, and it's one that you know probably. Some of the, when you start hearing the, the word pictures that the, uh, the author uses, oh yeah, that sounds a little familiar. I've shared this passage before. I've enjoyed just kind of going into it and I, I love how this works. You, you, you know a passage, you've studied it, you've taught it, you've taught it multiple times, and you go back again and think, wow, there's a whole new set of things that I want to share with you from it. There's no end to the depth. Now it says, a song of ascents of Solomon. All right? 
And the Song of Ascents is a collection of psalms. And if you look around the psalms, if you have your, your Bible open, you can see other psalms around. You see that it's in a package of songs of ascents. And these were a package of worship songs that they would sing when they were traveling to Jerusalem on one of the feast days that they would gather at several times a year in Jerusalem. And as they would go along, this would be the kind of the songs, the, the songs that would not just entertain them, but would prepare their heart for meeting with God. And then it says, of Solomon. Now... A little bit of a problem there because this is all about family. And I think it would be safe to say if you've studied Solomon's story in the Bible, not exactly the ideal family man, right? Uh, there are some people who think that the construction in Hebrew where it says a song of a sense of Solomon, that that phrase could possibly, and I, I, this is just speculative, I'm not going to uh, sign my name to the end of this, this is the end of it, but it could be for Solomon. And some people think that maybe this is a psalm that King David wrote to instruct his son Solomon on how to proceed in family life. If that is the case, David probably wound up a bit disappointed. But regardless of who the human author is, whether it was David for Solomon or Solomon's the author, it indeed is inspired scripture. It's included in the text of scripture. It's what God wants us to know about. He begins with these words, Unless the Lord builds the house... They labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for he gives his beloved sleep. I'm going to stop there for just a moment. We'll look at the last three verses in just a bit. A return on our investment. There's a word that repeated three times in the text. Did you notice what it was? I'm going to give you a few seconds before I give you the quiz question of what it was. There's a word that stands out repeated three times. And whenever you hear a word repeated in the text of Scripture, note that, all right? And if you can, at least in your imagination, kind of draw a line around the word. And that word is? Okay, I don't want to flunk you all. I really don't, okay? Vain, thank you. Whoever said it, give that person a gold star and a, and a thing. Vain, vain. It's the less the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain. If the watchman stays awake in vain, unless the Lord's guarding the city, it is vain to rise up early. Vain, vain, empty. Can we say it this way? A zero return on your investment. You can build, you can watch, you can do anything else, but you can wind up in a position where it is vain, it is empty, no return on your investment. And sometimes it's even worse than zero. You might even go into the negative. <laughs> Empty, nothing, re nothing returned. So number one, if we want to maximize our spiritual investment, let me just say it this way, don't do vain. Don't do this path that leads to emptiness, zero or negative return on investment. So how do we do that? It's really simple how we could do that and we want to avoid this. Number one, we build the house and leave the Lord out. Or Maybe I can say it this way. We think we're building the house and leaving the Lord out. Or if we're watching and the Lord is not invited in to be part of this faith journey of seeing him guard us and guide us, vain, empty, zero return on investment. It's vain for you to rise up early and sit up late and eat the bread of sorrows. That's work. That's, that's, that's it's toil. That's giving yourself over to work. In fact, the word sorrows in verse 2 is the same Hebrew word that you, that's translated pain back in Genesis chapter 3, which is the result of sin. 
you're, you're, you're rising up early, you're staying up late, you're working, you're toiling, you're working, you're working, but you're leaving God out of the equation. Zero return on investment. So very clearly, three times he warns us, don't do vain. Don't live in a vain situation. And I would dare say, I'm going to be brave enough to say it, I think most people are, are experiencing a spiritual zero return on investment because they're leaving God out. And I'll just talk about me. There's been big chunks of my life where I have toiled and I've tried to build and I've tried to watch and I've not had the return on investment that I wanted because I was doing it in the strength of this person. If we do it in our strength, <laughs> you might get something accomplished and it might even look good. It might even be something that other people would say, that is success. But except the Lord builds the house, it's vain. Unless the Lord's guarding the city and you're watching, it's vain. You can work all you want. You can strive and you can wear yourself out. If you left the Lord out, zero. Don't do vain. Well, let's get off that subject and let's give you the, the remedy for it. Number two, do include him in everything in life. Do include him in thing in life. So we can just take those same three verses and spin them around the other way. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who builds it. But what if the Lord is the builder of the house? You are not going to get vain. You're going to get a return on your investment. God is going to be glorified. We're going to be pleased and there's some benefits for us. But that's not primarily the, the, the point. The point here is that God gets a benefit that we share in. So the Lord builds the house. How does that happen? First of all, the transition from living in a vain situation to having a spiritual return on your investment, we have to take this mental choice, volition, decision ourselves to say, Lord, I invite you into every moment of my life. We should get up every morning, maybe even before we get up, we should say to the Lord, Lord, I, whatever this day has for me, I can't do this alone because you can't even on the good days we really can't we know it really well on the bad days right when everything just sort of just goes into total chaos everything's falling apart so we need him every moment so this there has to be this recognition that we are incapable of doing what god wants us to do in our own strength and then we we, we recognize our inability and by the way, that's a very subtle, sticky thing to get rid of because there is this streak of pride that just sort of is woven through the heart of humankind. We like it when we get to be the hero. We like it when we get the recognition. We like to hear a little bit of praise. We like it when the trophies are handed out. But you know what? That's not the point. And the point of the matter is Jesus said it this way. And I have pretty good authority, pretty good authority if I can quote Jesus, all right? Jesus says this way in John 15, without me you can do nothing, not a little bit, not some things, not partial, not incomplete, nothing without me. You have to stay joined to the vine. So recognition of our inability and more importantly, a recognition of his ability. If you're, if you're building a house, and I'm going to come back to what that means specifically in just a moment, but, but whatever we're called to try to build and do if we recognize our inability, but we recognize his ability and we transfer our dependency off of us onto him, that's called living by faith, by the way. 
If we do that, he can build. He can protect. He can cause the works of our hands and the labor of our time to produce something of lasting value so that we don't do vain. So include him. I'm going to give you a challenge. All right? Now, you're going to have to really work on this because this is going to happen at a moment where some of us are ill-equipped to do what I'm about to tell you. When, you. when you first get your eyelids open tomorrow morning, and I hope that is tomorrow morning. I hope you're not up in the middle of the night wandering around prowling in the house. But when you first wake up, try to do this. Speak to him before you speak to anything, anybody else. Speak to him before you get, engage your mind in anything else. Before you grab your phone and see if anyone wrote you in the middle of the night. Before you flip on the TV to see the depressing news that's out there. Before you go, and some of you are going to really hate me for this, before you flip on the coffee maker for your life support, spend a few moments and just say, Lord, I can't do this, but you can. I just say right now, Lord, I quit depending on this, and I start depending on you. He can build the house. He can protect. He can watch over the city. And he can be the one who takes our efforts, our toil, and does something amazing with it. Now, I've always looked at this psalm. I, I kind of understand verse 1, 2, and 3. I've had an understanding. And then verse 3, Behold, children are heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior. Are, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. You shall not be ashamed, but shall speak. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gates. So suddenly we start talking about children, heritage from the Lord, like arrows. They're going to sit in the gates of the city. The fruit of the womb is the, the, uh, God's reward to you. How does that relate to one, two, one and two? Well, it's very simple. When they say city, in, when he says city in verse 1, when he says house in verse 1, when he's talking about, the, even though he doesn't really say what's going on in the rise up early and the staying up late, it's activity, it's work. Can we just say it that way? So in your work, your house, and your city, we have to think like a Hebrew of a couple thousand years ago to make this make sense. We think a house is made of wood and brick and all that stuff. No, nope, wrong. <laughs> or we think of house as sort of like what we're, what we're building or the city we're building. This is my career. This is my, this is my, you know, my passion. This is what I want to accomplish. This is my goal in life. This is, this is my thing in life. But for a Hebrew mind, that all revolved around one hub. The, the center of the orbit of all things was family. You could almost translate verse 1, except the Lord builds the household. Because your business and your family were all interconnected. It was the family business. If you had children, they entered into the family business. And you just sort of did this as a, a family unit. Cities were composed of family units. And by the way, that's true now as it was then. The fabric of society is woven together by fa of, of family units. And it is no wonder that our enemy loves to attack the family. Because if he can pull apart the, the fabric of family life, 
then that weakens the structure of our society. And just look around and you can see the mess that's all around us that has its hub of that attack. That's why we as a church, that's why you as a family, that's why you as an individual need to be a person who gears our lives to building people, not stuff. Building family, not our perceived future. So he calls us to do that. So I'll say it this way. You want to have a return on your spiritual investment? Don't do vain. Do include him. You got your homework for tomorrow morning. By the way, you can start now. You can start practicing ahead of time. But number three, start with kids. Start with kids. This is where we start building this family. And he says, let me just tell you, this household you're building, this city you're building, the work you're doing, and it's all tied together in this big picture family. He says, let me remind you of the blessing of kids. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. Don't miss the prepositional phrase on the end. From the Lord. God has given us children as a blessing that's, that's come down from the past and been delivered to us in the present. So they're a blessing. They're blessings from God. He says it this way. The fruit of the womb is a reward. So we have this blessing that's come to us from our heritage, passed down from generations, and every child born is a blessing. Julie and I were with some friends uh, on uh, uh, Friday, and uh, they have a daughter that was expecting their fourth child. And when we called and said, we want to come by, they told us, says, we'll be there except we get the call. We're going to go watch the three older children while the baby's being born. That, that's fine. We, we, we understood that. So we, we, we were home yesterday, and the text goes off on Julie's phone. That she's at the hospital later. The text, there's the baby's picture. We can hear her crying. And this little baby named Ivy is there with the family. And it's just like, blessing. The blessing meter goes off. The blessing has been delivered, and everybody loves it. I was also in a, in a public place yesterday, and there's a lot of people around, and this family came by, and they had this little baby in one of those, what do you call it, baby carriers, baby basket, a baby transport system. They had the baby in there. And, and as this, this family goes by, I mean, I just saw all these heads like, you know, it's just, it's just something captivating. We understand that. So we start with kids. We start with kids. They're a blessing from God from the past, a blessing to us in the future. Now, I also understand that uh, we all have different roles in this. We're, we're, we're of different generations, right? Some of us have raised children. Some of us have not had that experience. Some of us are in grandparenthood. Some of us are a long way from there. Some of you look forward to having a family if God wills down the road. Some people would love to have children and are unable to. It's all over the map. But I talk about us as a church, okay? Us as a church family. Today we want to think about it in those terms, that we need to start with kids as a priority in life. You want to know something really sad? And I'm not, I don't believe I'm judging when I say this. I don't want to be judging when I say this. It's just sad. To see a church that has no children in it, and there are some, you know, as people got older and they just kept getting older and the kids moved and whatever, and you wind up with a church of just people that, like me, are turning gray and getting older. And that doesn't mean they can't do something. doesn't mean they don't honor the Lord, but it's just sad. 
I'm glad that we have children. I'm glad we have babies. I'm glad we have teenagers. I'm glad we have young adults. I'm glad we have middle-aged people. I'm glad we have late middle-aged people. I'm glad we have those, those generations. Because working together, this becomes just like one big extended family. Jill and I recently were, uh, we, we have a particular business over in Ohio that we bought furniture with, and it's an Amish craftsman, and, and uh, he, uh, uh, you just kind of say, I want this, and they'll build it for you. It's wonderful. And we bought several pieces of furniture over here. In fact, some of the furniture that's over in our lobby came from uh, sourced up there. So we were talking to our friend Sonny about this thing we want to have built. And uh, he said, what are you doing? Well, this Saturday, he said, we're having homecoming at my place. I said, okay, what does that mean? He said, well, I'm the youngest of 12. And he said, I don't have to do this every 12th year because every kid takes a year. And he said, it's now my year. And he says, right out there back, we're going to have it. And I said, well, how many people come? About 120. And he says, uh, says always usually the, 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 the men play the boys in softball. That's one of the activities after we've eaten this big meal. And he says, but some of us are getting a little older. and we're, we, we may not have it. We might just mix it up so we have some young and old on both teams this year. And I just think, what a beautiful picture, this big extended family. And they, they're bringing chicken and beans and the whole smash. And that was yesterday. I hope they had a wonderful time. But it's just, that, that's a picture of the church. This big extended family, grandma, grandpa, mom, dad, kids, aunts, uncles, those that are married, those that are single, those with kids, those without kids, those that have raised kids, those that are in the trenches of raising kids, we're all together. And we just all need to say the blessing of transferring our faith to the next generation is part of what we do. Now, he gets into this thing about arrows. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are children of one's youth. You may think it a little bit strange that he's talking about arrows. Some of you might be archers, you know how to do that. But in their day, if you had an army, you had to have archers or you were going to be in big trouble. And he says this, children are like, he says it this way, children are like arrows in the hand of a warrior. So are the children of one's youth. And he's saying, these are, these, you know, there's several things we could say that probably help us understand the metaphor, the picture, the illustration of arrows for children. Uh, first of all, errors have to be manufactured. They have to be formed. A branch just doesn't fall off a tree and you just slide it into a bow. It doesn't work that way, okay? It has to be shaped. It has to be made correctly. Arrows need direction. You've got to point them in the right direction. And once lost, and you only, excuse me, I should say it this way, they are only launched once. Now, you could go get your arrow. Anytime I've ever shot an arrow, it was usually a one shot because we never could find it again. But anyway... Uh, you know, it's, it's sort of like one launch, typically. And also, it extends the influence of the, of the archer. And also, that arrow can do great good or great evil. There's all sort of pictures that just sort of mold together into this picture of arrows. But simply this, we need to see it this way. He goes on and says this, Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. Quiver is what you carry your arrows in before you put them in the bow and shoot them, Okay. And typically be on the back. Just pull it out of that sort of like a tube thing. Pull it out, put it in the boat, let it go. There's nothing worse in battle. And the enemy is coming at you. And all you have to do, all you have to defend yourself is a, is a bow. And you reach back. I'm out of arrows. I would imagine most arrows kept pretty good count. That's one, that's two, you know. Because once you're out of arrows, 
you can be quickly in a world of hurt. And all he's saying is, blessed is a person in family life that has arrows available. Uh, arrows available to do that sort of thing. Uh, there are some people take this passage saying, well, it should be full. So you should have large families, whatever. All I'm going to say to you is this. That's something you've got to figure out before the Lord. I love this. This is a quote from Charles Spurgeon. A quiver may be small yet full. And then the blessing is obtained. In any case, we may be sure that a man's life consists not in the abundance of children that he possesses, but it's having this passing on the faith to the next generation. And I understand there's some folks that, as I said, you know, you want to start a family someday, that's your goal. There are some couples that have fertility issues and they don't have children. There are some who obviously have children. There are those that obtain families by foster care, by adoption, God bless, whatever it is. All I'm saying is this, these that God give us are a blessing. Also, he says, the, the, having your quiver full, it's as happy as the man who has his quiver full of them. It's sort of like, you know, in their world, your kids became your crew. I mean, they were, they were, they were your people, right? And some of you are or have or will have the experience of caring for aging parents. If that is you, God bless you. You're doing God's work. Because what happens is you raise these children and be part of that process, and some days you need care from someone else. And, and, and so it goes in this great path of life that God leads us. So he says they're a blessing because they're available to help as they grow to maturity. And we understand that that's how it works. So every one of us, no matter where we're placed, no matter what our story is, but the fact that you're part of this church, you can invest in the next generation. You can invest in that. And we need to see your, their value. I found another quote. Came, it comes out of Spurgeon's uh, a commentary on, on uh, Psalms called Treasury of David. Good, good work if you want to get it. And he's quoting a man by the name of Joseph Hall. He says, I remember a great man coming into my house at Waltham. And seeing all my children standing in order of their age and stature, and he says, these are they that make rich men poor. But he straight received my answer, nay, my Lord, these are they that make poor men rich. I love this last line. For there is not one of these whom we would part with for all your riches. What a great statement. What a great line. I'm going to put that online later so you can see it again. They're valuable, and we invest in them. We, we give ourselves to them. And some of you are right now have very quiver, full quivers in your life raising children. God bless you. God bless you. You're in the trenches. Trust me, it is worth it. Trust me, it is survivable, especially with God's help. Keep going. Don't give up. Train them in the Lord. Some of you have children that you have raised, and now they're not walking with the Lord. Don't give up on them. You pray for them. You continue to live your life of godliness before them. And I say this often to parents in that situation. Their story isn't written yet. It's not finished yet. Don't give up. For some of us are working with children right here in our ministry. God bless you. We appreciate that. We've seen several step forward just in the last few weeks to say, I want to sign up. I want to be a help. We're going to ask you to do something utterly simple today. Not complicated. After our last song and, and Rich says you're dismissed, rather than heading for those doors or those doors, just take a detour and come get one of these little cards. This one has a name on it, and uh, it has uh, uh, their birth date on it. 
And some of you have done this for years, and this is just, just your chance to say, I'm going to re-enlist, and I'm going to pray for this child. Put this somewhere where we can continue to do that. Some of you have done over and above it. Sometimes you'll do something on that birthday, or you'll write them a letter, or you'll send them a note just to encourage them. You know, for a child, there's nothing means more than to just pay some attention to them. For an adult, just to kind of stoop down and say something, how are you, what, how's school, what's going on, just to have that, that interaction. So all we're asking you to do today is just say yes. Many of you have been doing it. And you know what? The amazing thing is that includes God in the process. We're not doing it ourselves. We say, Lord, I'm, I'm crying out. And what parent would be delighted to know that someone in this church or maybe multiple someones are praying for their child to come to know Christ as Savior, to walk with him, to, to have God's protection in all this scary world in which we live so we ask you to say yes look at what it says in the end of verse 5 they shall not be ashamed they shall speak with their enemies in the gates that means not much to us but the gate was like city hall it's where business took place where contracts were signed it's where judgments were made it's where the judge sat it was a place of influence he's saying this these arrows that were about ready to, to, to form and launch into the world that we want to have our quivers full of them these people are going to do amazing things because they are going to learn from us not to do vain. They're going to learn from us to include God in all things. And they're going to learn for the generations that follows them that they start with the children. Are you ready to say yes? Are you ready to say yes today? We've given you a very practical, simple way to do it. And this verse, I hope this becomes a favorite psalm of yours. Just to remind yourself, next time you see one of those little guys running through the hallway or in front of you or in your home, that person is a blessing from God, a reward from the womb, from the heritage of the Lord. They're like an arrow in the hand of a warrior. Someday they're going to stand in the gates and do amazing things for God. Thank you for joining us for Living the Word today. We appreciate your sharing in this study of the scriptures. Also, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you will not miss a single episode. And thanks, too, for your prayers and for letting others know of this ministry as we seek to be living the Word today. We would love to have your feedback and to hear from you. And the best way to contact us is through our website, livingthewordtoday.com. Until next time, may His blessing be yours.